that you know they were going to save the day by blocking third-party cookies, but they were going to have to use their walled garden and um, do potentially other shady privacy infringing stuff um, so that only they had access to all of that privacy data. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. This uh, competition called Mustache May. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, that I participated in a few times. I should go back and see. It must have uh, been before Movember was a thing. I mean, it was not tied to any kind of event. It was just yeah. dudes getting together. And then um, it, it, I, I can't remember if it's the same group of people or not, but there was this offshoot of it called Whiskerino, <laughs> which was like a four or five month thing where day one, everybody would um, shave clean. And then you would just let it grow over this four or five month period. Oh goodness! Um, but but then we had like weekly. Themes. Was it like a competition or? It was. It wasn't so much of a competition, although there Kenny was, would rock that competition. There 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 was a competition for yeah. I mean, there were like there were awards, quote unquote, that were given out, um, uh, but it was mostly for fun. Yeah. But the the really fun part of it was is that there were weekly themes. And so people would then get really creative. And so like every week you take a picture of your progress, but it wasn't like everyone's just like, okay, here's a selfie. It's each week had a certain theme and you would try to take a picture in the spirit of that theme. Um, And it was super fun. And I think one of the, one of the versions of the site is still out there. At least it's cached on Wayback machine. Um, So I'll have to pull some of them out. It was, it was glorious and fun. I think you sent that to me at one point. I may, I may have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I may have. So it was super fun. So anyway, that's that. And it's uh, it's super rainy here, and I'm super disappointed because, you know, when it rains and it just smells really nice and you just want to go sit out there and enjoy the rain, it uh, it's it's not that. It smells like, <laughs> it smells like a damp, wet campfire. Oh. It's, it's not fun. Because you talk kind of is a camp, damp wet campfire right now yeah and the weird thing is is it's not us um we've right. had we've had one of our um smallest fire seasons in a while there was just a very large one in immigration canyon up near park city mm-hmm. um that they ended up evacuating i want to say eight thousand people um but it was quite small uh, five six hundred acres and and they got it under control um and that's really been the closest one i've seen around here I, you know two or three years ago when we had massive fires it just seems like the whole state was dotted with them and i'm talking mm-hmm. like you know 90 100 130,000 acre fires like big fires so yeah we're getting i guess a lot of smoke from the dixie fire in northern california and then a handful of slightly smaller fires in in oregon so 
it's not been a, a fun summer for our air quality. Anywho. Yeah, it is. It's super humid out today. So I went out. Um, I've mentioned here on a couple times. I think I've told both of you I'm training for a half marathon in September. Um, so I went out today and did four miles with, with the weighted backpack. Oh, wow. And it was, it was hot and humid, you know, this morning. And I did, I did that at seven 30 this morning. So I, I haven't been out since the sun since come out. That's hardcore. So. Well, it is yeah. 61 and heavy rain right now. 61 is nice. Mm-hmm. Whereas we've had really bad rain for the last few days as a tropical storm Fred or whatever rolled through. Um, but today is glorious. It's 84 and sunny. It's nice. Nice. Yeah. And I think, I think we might be out of the woods with like the heat waves at this point. And uh, yeah, this is, this is the time of year when I like to go down and check out the beach for a day or two because the crowds start to die and it's not the oppressive heat. Mm-hmm. Sit, you know, you can sit there and just start to enjoy it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This is my time as well. I, I like mm-hmm. to do the off season thing. Yep. I'm just not yep. a big crowd person. So. I, I've become spoiled <laughs> with, yeah. with having job flexibility. You're right. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I, at this point, I'm like insisting, like we go to places in the off season. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't go when everybody else goes. Yeah. Well, and with Kenny growing up down the street from Disneyland, like that, that is the only acceptable way to go to an amusement park is in the off season. And even then you are there right when it opens, you get out of there by like noon or one, like he has very specific parameters uh, Mm because he got spoiled by it just, you know, being where they hung out after school, you know? Yeah, no, I'm totally with them. Did I tell you that they opened a Legoland up in New York? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Like the the full amusement park, it it opened like with all attractions. Like they were doing previews in May and June, and it was July. It it fully opened. So right now we're looking at like doing like a Thursday and Friday there in mm. October. You know, after after everybody has gone back to school, um, when when the crowds are low, you know, we'll go up there. It's about three hours from here. So go up there in the morning, you know, hit the amusement park, stay overnight, and then maybe hit it for a couple hours in the morning and then drive home the next day. It it always it always uh, shocks my brain to hear like how close the the right. northeast is all compact together. It's like, yeah, in three hours I could be to all of these different places and here I'm sitting in Utah. It's like, okay, in three hours I can be nowhere. Right. <laughs> <You yeah. know? laughs> So. Or it's like Europe that, you know, right. four you could hours. Be, you, you could know. be across the whole continent. Yeah. 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 We're, we're heading up to Connecticut this weekend uh, for my oh, brother-in-law's 40th birthday. I love and it, it's the same thing, like three, three and a half hours, depending on traffic. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, very fun. Yeah. And at this point, I don't know how we're going to transition into our actual topic. I don't even know what the topic is to even try to cue you up for a transition. <laughs> more so, cookie stuff, because I haven't more, had enough of it yet oh, today. Yeah, yes. Good timing, good timing here. Um, so I want to continue our talk on, on online privacy and privacy in general. And this is a question as I was stubbing out this, this, this series of episodes on this topic. It's something that's been in the back of my mind is, is 
um, you know, with all of the focus around cookies being at the the crux, or at least the 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 it may not be the crux. It's probably not the best word to use, but like being the focus of conversation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are other things within like various regulations out there that aren't cookie related, but it seems like the conversation always seems to focus around cookies. Is all of that a distraction? to a larger privacy threat a a realer you know if that's a word but i'm actually gonna say it's a word a more <laughs> real privacy problem um and i don't want we'll, we'll dig into what that potentially is but i'm just going to start off with first like is the focus around cookies in all of the the bigger conversations around privacy a distraction from something much much bigger much more important I definitely think so. Um, and, and I also think it kind of applies in multiple ways of one within specifically our analytics in industry is all of the talk um, and addressing of cookies and, and stuff that's so cookie focused. Is that a distraction from the things we need to be dealing with? And, and to that, I answer yes, because a lot of the privacy laws are much more about what data you're collecting than the how and cookies are how you identify a user and not necessarily um, what you do with it. So yeah, I, I think it's a distraction for us, you know, within our industry. And then, you know, more broadly, I think it's a distraction as far as if we are trying to keep users secure and give them privacy and, and control and, and informed consent, um, then focusing only on cookies to me is a huge miss. Um, Cause cookies are pretty low on, on the level of uh, on the list of threats that, um, you know, threats to my privacy based on my online behavior. And I, I agree with Jen. I think it, so much of it, we get lost in the details of the operational specifics of how things work. And I think I, it's understandable because it's, it's somewhat easier for us to attach to that conversation, even though this conversation is incredibly complex. Um, at least we can attach to something semi-tangible. Oh, a cookie's going away. So what we did X before and we aren't going to be able to... Does my background keep flickering? That's super annoying. Yeah, it's Sorry. like your camera's adjusting for like changes in lighting. I'll try to hold like still like a gargoyle. Um, no, that's my train of thought. Oh, so, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit easier to attach to those conversations as far as well, this is what we were doing yesterday. How can we continue to do it tomorrow? Mm -hmm. um, and, and Jen brought up an earlier, a good point earlier today in an in internal discussion around a lot of the value really should be um, around, well, what can we do? How can we be creative? And less on the, the logistics of it and more, oh, I'm sorry, that is really fucking, I don't know why it's doing that. Um, I, more, um, more around the, well, does the framework change? And, and we've seen through history that companies and analysts that choose the latter tend to be the most successful. And those that choose the former end up getting caught in these cycles of trying to do all this complex stuff from a technology standpoint, maybe overspend on services or product to try to fix things. Um, but the reality is, is that we also need to address just the changing landscape. And maybe we look at things from a different perspective. Um, the data isn't going to go away. It's just going to change. So what can we now do with it? And I think back, and Jen, you probably remember this 
uh, as well, like mid 2000s, um, I was at Omniture at the time and there were changes to cookies even back then. There were changes to how search was being handled by Google. And I remember there was a lot of freak out happening in Omniture at that time. It's like, oh, we're all going to lose our jobs. Like analytics is dead. Like this is never going to work. Um, and here we are and <laughs> the sun rose again and the world keeps spinning. Did things change? Yeah. Like how we analyze paid search and natural search changed drastically. But did anyone's jobs go away? Did right. you know everything fold? No. We we said, okay, well, let's understand the new landscape and how can we adapt to that and continue to use the data that we have um, in smart ways to help inform how our customers are interacting with our products. Yeah, it's funny because I, I actually have a blog post from 2011 that was in response to a bill being discussed in con in Congress about cookies um, and just how angry I was about all the fear mongering um, that, you know, the, the article here, I'm, I'm looking at the blog post right now, but the, the article that set me off said hidden cookies in air in quotes on in your computer, track your internet movements and record what you buy online. Uh, smartphones that secretly log the places you go, even your personal information on Facebook may have been leaked to advertisers. Like it's just so fear mongery. Um, but it just cracks me up because the whole, my whole response to the article, like all of it is still true. I could have written that last year and, uh, it would have fit right in. So yeah, the more things change, the more they stay the same, I suppose. Um, and, and again, it's both in how our industry is responding, but also in, the, they were discussing making laws back in 2011 about cookies, and they still are making laws that focus on cookies. So, yeah. We, so we, what, we, we get a little myopic, I think. We do. Mm -hmm. So why do you think the focus is on cookies? Is it an easy target? Is it just, you know, it, it, it's the you know, something to talk about, something to grasp at, because maybe the the other portions of privacy are much more open to to interpretation or or what? Like, why, why do you think the, the conversation always goes in that direction? Well, it's, it's something to anchor to. And I and I think it's something that is approachable enough from the layperson that they can understand this concept of a browser cookie and what it means and whether that allows journalists to write about it in a salacious way or uh, advertisers or vendors to use that to sell services. Um, it's, it's, it's something to anchor the, the conversation to. And sadly, and, and you can see this reflected in social media, there's not really a lot of depth to the thought of what we're, we're talking about. There's not a lot of research that happens. It's we take a little snippet of information and we, we draw these very broad, often entirely incorrect conclusions, but it doesn't matter. The point, the value was already done. It got you to click through to the article for the mm -hmm. average. For the, so the, you know, the journalist got ad revenue, you know, it got you to sign up for uh, a, a webinar so you can be pitched a product that's going to solve all these problems for you. And, and that's really where the challenge is, is that, you know, voices like Jen's and others are, are really drowned out because you know, people really aren't interested in, in investing the time to properly understand these things. They, you know, we just want to be very reactionary, especially the common consumer. You know, we wouldn't expect the common consumer 
to put any time aside to like read through any of the GDPR regulations, or if they're here in the States and in California, I think Colorado, some of the other state level legislation, like no one's going to read that. No one's going to take the time to understand like the nuance of what it means for the data. They're going to see a headline that someone wrote and they're going to draw broad conclusions. And to answer your question again, Jim, I think it's just the cookie is an easy way to attach to something to have that conversation um, in a very nuanced, complex conversation that would get lost on most people. I mean, it gets lost on us. Like we're, we're struggling to understand it. You know, how is the common consumer going to understand such a complex topic? Yeah. Well, and I think too, a lot of consumers, um, like they, they may not know the details of the text of the CCPA or whatever, but um, they might know enough about it and might be taking a lead from the politicians and, and the policymakers that if they're worried about cookies and clearly Apple's worried about cookies and, and Google's making noise about cookies, then cookies must be what I should be afraid of. Um, but the, the idea of relying on on politicians particularly um, for advice on technology. On um, they, sure, sure. But I mean, the, the sheer obliviousness of that particular body uh, when it comes to technology and tracking and all of that. I mean, heck, you, you watch them talk to, uh, to Mark Zuckerberg and regardless of your feelings for Mark Zuckerberg, they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, so I, I do think that, that that's a lot of it, that both media and and individual consumers um, are, are going to take the lead from from the laws that are being made and the changes to browsers um, and aren't going to put a lot of independent thought into, you know, the actual privacy uh, problems. But I do. I, I think most of it is just cookies are so easily quantified. We can define them. You can see them. We can control them fairly easily. Um, and, and they're one of the few things in this privacy discussion that can be clearly defined, clearly controlled. Um, and, and I think the fact that, you know, Google or Apple or whoever, they can put out controls on them in a way that still doesn't super hurt their business model <laughs> also makes it easier for them to focus on cookies and not on, uh, you know, especially with Apple, a lot of the other things that they're doing with privacy that, uh, that would hurt them a lot more potentially. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that again, I think people do that too much, especially right now in in, in the climate where everything is so polarized from a, a political perspective. Whoever you're getting your source from, and especially if you have politicians that want to be very vocal about this, people are just going to take it and believe it for what it is. And and again, I don't, I'm not sure that the the, the national political body is the people we should be taking advice from on technology, but a lot of people are going to, mm -hmm. and, and we're going to get it to a place if we're not already. And I, Jim, I think we've used this phrase out, worn this phrase out, but that people are going to want their cake and eat it too, where there's going to be a lot of backlash where they're going to be saying things like, well, wait a minute, why is my experience so clunky all of a sudden? Wait a minute. I was getting all these like perks and then rewards and all this stuff. And now I'm not getting it. It's like, well, all those things that you were enjoying were driven by this technology that you said you didn't want. So we took it away. So this is what you get in return. Well, no, no, no. We want all that stuff too. We just don't want the scary thing that our politicians said that we wanted to get rid of. And, and because of that, I think 
for companies, it's so critical that they think about how they're educating and talking about this topic. Jen, this is something Jen has talked quite a bit about um, is we have to get away from, and I get it like early on, everyone was scrambling. So every website you went to had the same kind of like bar or pop-up that says we use cookies and do you blah, 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 blah. It, everyone was scared from a regulation standpoint. So they were just throwing stuff out there. We're at a point now where we, we really need to take the time to think through it and think about the experience that we're creating and not just have some general banner or wording so we can be compliant, but think through how we can, again, like think about this in a more creative way and use it as an opportunity to educate um, and, and at least at a minimum create a more um, or a nicer experience around that whole consent piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, Jen, you asked internally, like, do we have examples? And I had a ton of examples and now I can't find them again. So I know I had the same for problem. Not, for not taking Heck, anyone notes. listening to this, if you have examples of folks who are doing the, the consent and the letting the users, incentivizing users to consent to tracking, um, I, I will happily take any examples. <laughs> Keep an eye out for them for me. Do my work for me. Yes. But there are some, there are, yeah. you, you can tell that there's a, a, a bit of a shift now and the companies are saying, okay, we, let's be a little bit smarter than this. Cause again, I've, I've ran into a handful. I'm like, wow, this was actually nice. You know, I really like how they thought through this and the messaging was really on point and um, really resonated with, with me. So uh, I think that's a big opportunity as well for companies to say, like, we shouldn't just look at this as a, demand from our legal and compliance teams and we're just going to slap this on there so they quit bugging us if we have to do this then let's let's really think about the experience we're creating and do it in such a way that we're creating more positive experiences for our guests and we're creating experiences that hopefully talk about the the really valid and valuable reasons why we're we're doing these things that it's not to be creepy and whatever the politicians or vendors are doing to get people all riled up it's it's being done to ultimately inform the product so we have better products and better websites for people to use that's more customized that gives them all these nice things that they come to expect um that's why it's it's being used i just but people don't understand that So with the conversation focused on the fear, uncertainty and doubt and, you know, the conversation centered around cookies, what isn't being talked about that should be? Um... I think, well, Facebook should be being talked about. Social networks should be being talked about. And and they are to a degree that, you know, um, I don't know if, if we're necessarily talking about the right things with them, but folks are becoming more and more aware of, of uh, what Facebook does with your data and stuff, but not necessarily what it means if you're using Facebook to sign into 15 different websites because it's just so much more convenient than remembering your own password. Like that sort of thing has a big impact to privacy that people just don't think about. Um, and Google as well, I think. Oh, yeah. It, right. Because um, it's again, it's easy to attach to this cookie thing. It's like, oh, all these advertisers, it's it's shady. It's creepy. Well, you know, if you're on Chrome and you're signed into Google or you're signed into Chrome, that not only across my devices, but across every property that I visit, Google is being able to stitch all that together. No one's 
really talking about the creep factor of that, at least not in the same fervor as we're talking about the evilness of quote tracking cookies. Yeah. And, and Apple, I've started seeing sites start to, to include the sign in with Apple button mm -hmm. along with the sign in with Facebook or sign in with Google. Mm -hmm. For yep. sure. And I'll yeah. admit, I use those sometimes because, because it's so nice. They're convenient. <laughs> it is so convenient. But I mean, um, I have to be—I have to recognize as a user that there is a benefit that I receive for basically selling my data to them. That uh, you know, it is an exchange of goods, and so long as I recognize that, then you know, it doesn't creep me out as much. I guess. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and I think the same is for the cookie—you know—conversation on us in a smaller kind of uh, environment is that there's an exchange. I'm, I'm allowing you at a more aggregate level to view how I interact with your product. And in exchange, you're giving me a much nicer experience, more tailored. Maybe I'm getting things like rewards or discounts, or it's, it's an exchange of my data for something in return. And that's the conversations that's not happening. Um, you know, maybe it's happening in these small circles, but the larger conversation with the consumer, no one's having that conversation. No one's having that conversation at a political level. Right. No it's just, it's just not happening yet, but it needs to, but I, it, again, it's, it's not something that you can just put a, a one sentence soundbite out there and attach to something. It's, it's a very nuanced, complex conversation, which means most people aren't interested in having it. Sorry, I keep having this thought come and go from my mind. I need to write it down while it's in my mind, but now I've lost it that I have the opportunity to do so. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to talk about... So it, it is interesting to me that um, a lot of the laws that are, are coming out in the U.S., like the California Consumer Privacy Act, um, I do appreciate that the nuance that they take to it, that it's not necessarily banning the gathering of the information. Um, it, it's much more about what you do with the information. And to me, and I kind of talked about this on our, our last podcast about privacy, to me, privacy, it has a lot to do with where that info ends up and who gets access to me. So I don't mind if the website that I'm on is tracking what I'm doing. I do really mind if they somehow get my email address and give it to someone else. Um, and, and CCPA addresses exactly that, that it's not what data you have, it's what data is being shared or sold. Um, and that matters to me a lot because it becomes much harder to to control and have informed consent if the the party you are interacting with is not the the end user of the data. So I do appreciate that about um, the CCPA, but it also treats cookies as personal information, which boggles my mind um, because there is no way to tie that random string of numbers back to me. Uh, un unless they take it, they put it in their CRM, I've signed in, I have a rewards card, whatever it is, um, that eventually they can attach it to that, that user ID. But the user ID itself as personal information is kind of an odd concept to me. Yeah, that's a good point, Jen. And as far as back to your question, Jim, what's not really being talked about is that, um, again, a lot of the fear and the conversation is on this like spookiness of advertisers being able to to track you and 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 there's a lot of um very bizarre theories floating around on like <laughs> all of this complexity i'm like we work with these companies we work, they're not doing anything like this like there's just 
he, there's just no way that this is is happening and and so because everybody is so fixated on that to to Jen's point a lot of the there's not a lot of conversation happening around data around data privacy of data that you're willfully giving to to a company mm-hmm. so you know if i'm filling out a form or i'm purchasing a product like they have so much data personal on you when we're talking about advertiser data and product level tracking it, it, for the most part, is highly, highly anonymized. If we wanted to yeah. track it down to a specific user, it is not easy at all. And in some cases, it's just not, not possible. It, yeah, or, and it's not valuable. Like, it's not valuable. We don't get much not. much out of it for the level of effort that it takes. Yeah, for it's sure. Not. But the, that's where the conversation is centered rather, rather than around, well, wait a minute, you're giving this company your phone number and your email address, and now all of a sudden you're getting flooded with spam calls on your cell phone and all these unwanted sales pitches on your email because they turned around and like gave it to someone else or sold it here or whatnot. Like there's, there's very little conversation happening around a very real and present risk of your data because again, it's, there's so much hype around cookies and this ability to track. And, and again, if, if nothing else, and if there are people that are listening to this podcast or you're talking to your family members that, you know, are freaked out by this, the, the reality is, is that in this space and tracking behavioral data for companies to better understand how people are using their digital properties, uh, it is just not happening happening on a one-to-one individual person level. It is, it is in aggregate. Companies don't have the time or the resources or the desire, to your point, Jen, the value is so not there to go look at, oh, so Jim viewed page A, and then he looked at this product, and then he added to the cart. There's just no value there. And even if there was, there's no time to spend looking at that. So it's just not happening, you know? So that conversation needs to be happening. It's like, look, you're, 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 you're afraid of something, this boogeyman that doesn't really exist. There are boogeymen out there from a data privacy perspective. Let's talk about that. But, you know, this thing that we're talking about is blown up into something that it, it really isn't. Um, so with the focus on cookies and we've talked about this in bits and pieces so far, but I want to kind of bring it together a bit. Um, you know, we talked about that. It's, it's expedient to talk about cookies. It's easy to talk about cookies. So there's a level of intentionality about the conversation being focused on that versus other pieces, the much more complex pieces and whatnot. Why would companies, um, why would advertisers, um, retailers, anybody else out there, the technology providers want the conversation focused around cookies. And, you know, l- l- let's, let's get a little out there with this. Um, why would they want the conversation focused there versus on some of these other things we've talked about with like, you know, the, the, re- the, the information we readily handle hand over, uh, about ourselves, whether it's in the form of a loyalty card, um, email address, phone number that we, we we provide as part of some form of transaction or, or anything else out there? I think uh, a lot of it is, you know, where the value lies, that cookies are not providing a huge amount of easy value as far as, you know, we were just talking about. It's, it's not super valuable to tie a cookie to an individual user so that you can pester them, whatever. Um, 
So, you know, it's not so much of a bother if, if cookies get squashed because they can still do the stuff that's, you know, easier uh, money of here's an email list and I can sell it to this shady third party. Um, <laughs> that, that they don't want you to, to look over there and because that's, that's where they're making uh, the shady folks, I think at least are, are making more of their, their money. I, I, yes, that was the same analogy I was going to use. I we've we've talked about the fact that I go down these uh, is it rat is it rabbit hole rabbit yeah. hole rabbit hole. I go down these rabbit holes on YouTube where I find all sorts of interesting topics, and every once in a while it peaks back up where I really get into magic, and I'm really a fan of sleight of hand, and this is what that is. It's it's sleight of hand. It's look over here because I'm doing something you don't. I don't want you to see over here. Um, and whether that's nefarious use of, of data, and this is a distraction technique, or it's companies like Apple and Google using it to distract you from them building these walled gardens so that they can fully own the ad markets and really dominate the ad space. Um, they don't want you to see that. They don't want you to talk about that. They want you to see over here um, something that is completely irrelevant to what they're trying to create because it's, it's brilliant sleight of hand. Flock, I think Google's uh, federated cohort thing is a really good example of that. And fortunately, they got called out on it that, you know, they were going to save the day by blocking third party cookies, but they were going to have to use their walled garden and um, do potentially other shady privacy infringing stuff um, so that only they had access <laughs> to all of that privacy data. That, trust uh, us though trust us right exactly yeah so you know they were saving us from cookies while strengthening their their own position um yeah and, and i am glad that they got called out on it and have had to to reconsider but it's a great and example it, it's a great example and i think it's something that companies need to keep their eye on because i've i've seen companies say things like well should we be concerned about investing in an adobe analytics or should we be concerned about investing in you know this certain user replay tool or should we be concerned about you know investing in this ad platform because cookies is going to make them ir irrelevant um history says that's not true and again i think this is a deflection technique where they where they should be putting their focus is, well, should I go all in on a Google? Because Google is building something that we've already seen the United States government, at least at the state attorneys general level, have a problem with what they're building. And so I would be much more concerned of these big players that are like Apple, like Google, that are, are building these walled gardens that could be seen as um violation of monopoly rules or whatever um that the u.s government may come down hard on uh, and if it's not the u.s government we've seen the eu come down very hard on on these type of things so um again that's something i don't see as being talked about as much as Ooh, we're worried about investing in this tool because they're so dependent on cookies don't they've been around for decades and they've found creative ways to continue to provide value be more concerned on these companies that are building very, very strong monopolies, especially around ad networks, that mm -hmm. if you go all in on that and the EU or the United States government comes down on them hard and breaks them apart, you're you're going to be scrambling. So I would be spending more of my time looking at those and weighing our risks and saying, yes, you know, if we go all in on this platform, we may have the whole ecosystem together, but how much do we want to trust that that's going to be in place? And if the bomb drops on that thing, do we want to be there?
did we exhaust your list of questions, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. But that's that, that's ultimately kind of the where I wanted to go down is because I was try I was keeping my opinion out of it uh, because I really wanted to get both of you uh, get your opinions on it, even though we've kind of talked offline about it. But yeah, I, I, I th uh, the word I like that you use, Jason, was sleight of hand. Because that's what I, I I do see that going on right now. That's let's distract, let's let's confuse um, those that aren't in the know with some kind of big scary boogeyman while we're doing something something else. Yeah, yeah and every but, every right. time you you hear about some time that someone was actually harmed by their privacy being infringed. Um, like you will be talking about cookies and then somebody will bring up like, you know, I, we talked about in the last podcast, but the, the pregnant target teenager or something. And, and again, it's, it's a different conversation, but everybody conflates it all together and it all comes mm -hmm. back to cookies, um, which gets really frustrating, frankly. <laughs> Question that keeps, yeah, that's on the tip of my tongue but I don't want us to be redundant and, and kind of go through things that we've already said is, is when these kind of conversations come up um, with, with any, any kind of audience around this and the focus goes to cookies and it's a lot of the fear, uncertainty and, uh, and doubt around cookies and how scary they are and how much of a risk they pose what is like a, a go-to response that you might have to, to try to broaden that, that person or that group of people's view on, you know, the, the bigger privacy conversation that needs to be had. And is that our responsibility? Sorry, go ahead, Jen. No, that, that's a good follow-up, Jason. Um, for me, I think whether or not it's effective, I don't know, but usually I respond with some form of, what is it, what specific harm is it that you are afraid of? How are you afraid that this is going to impact you? Um, and A, that kind of makes people think through whether or not it is harming them. But if they think it is, it's often based on misinformation and it gives you a chance to know what it is that they're confused about and what you can maybe clear up. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's forcing folks to, to talk not about the concept of how cookies are scary, but the tell me how it is impacting you or what, what impact you are afraid of. And, and that's uh, an easier starting point then for um, you know, how to address those fears. Yeah, I, I would agree with Jen. And I think about it from like two different cohorts perspective. If we're talking to the general public, if you're talking to your family members, like Jim, you go to this 40th birthday party and a family member shows up. It's like, I can't believe you work in this industry. It's so creepy. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's a good opportunity to to provide some insight and balance to that conversation. But those conversations are sometimes you know, with like any topic where you have family members that are prone to misinformation, it's almost a losing battle to try to recorrect and educate them on that. I mean, I, I think that our bigger influences at, at the business level, um, because they're also being influenced by misinformation, but there I think we have a little bit more of an opportunity uh, to have a, a meaningful impact compared to just having that conversation with the general public. And the conversations that I've liked to have with, with companies is, um, 
use this for as momentum to push you to get smarter, to do more research, to to really inform your your decisions. And if nothing else, if you're talking to people about this topic and their primary motivation is to pitch you products or services, put up a giant stop sign that that is a, a red flag, right? So um, if if they're using this as an opportunity to print and look, there, there are solutions, there are products, there are services that would be very beneficial to, to companies, but don't allow companies that are using fear to push that as the primary objective and put up a stop sign and say, look, I'm not buying right now. I'm, I'm in research mode. I'm trying to understand this. This is a very complex topic. It's a topic that is changing almost every day, like things are changing. And so we want to be smart about this. We want to make informed decisions, not just for today, but we want to make decisions that will scale for the potential future for whatever that may may look like. Um, and so again, I think that is where we in this industry have the biggest opportunity to impact changes at the, is at the business level. If we can impact how a few consumers think about things, that's awesome. But again, I think those conversations are really often difficult to have, especially people that are prone to taking misinformation and just running with the headline and drawing very broad conclusions from it. They're, they're much more difficult to change their perspective on things. And I'm not sure it's our responsibility to do that. And it has less impact either way. It's just one person, you know? For sure, yeah. Yeah, and I like how you segmented it out because I was thinking broad, like when I, when I was talking about like, you know, audiences, you know, having this conversation, you know, whether it's, you know, in a professional work client relationship capacity or, or personal. And yeah, I, I agree on the personal level. It, it's, it's, I, I don't think it is, is our responsibility. If people ask my opinion, I will share it, but you know, like, yeah, I, I do see like from time to time we've had clients that have start to kind of, you know, they've been bombarded with the FUD. So they, they start to succumb to it and it's just trying to be some kind of steady hand in the storm right now. I just keep thinking it's it's kind of funny to me that like I I know that I can't sound unbiased and and I know that I also represent an extreme side on the privacy you know debate that I I like retargeting I hate cookie pop ups um, I I like the convenience and will happily share my data for it um, but it like in my own mind, I have to ask myself, is that because I work in this industry? No, I don't think it is. I think that that's how I've always been. But then trying to convince other people too, like, no, 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 I have valid viewpoints. It's not bias <laughs> from, from my industry because I work in first party analytics and always have to be very careful, you know, describing that to people. Um, so I don't know, it's just kind of an open question of, of how much of it is, is biased because it does affect our jobs. But I, I really feel like a lot of this is not yet directly affecting specifically Adobe Analytics, Google Analytics optimization, the stuff we're working in every day. You know, it, it might be very frustrating for a lot of my clients or a lot of my clients' agencies who deal in Facebook and things like that. But um, it's not directly affecting us uh, yeah. And I, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think there probably obviously is some bias because sure. of our experience, but I, I, I agree. And from a company perspective, um, from, from an, or just from my personal perspective, I, I have zero concern. Like I, 
I ultimately, I have my opinions on what I like to see happen, but ultimately I can't control any of that. And in the end, I have zero fear about what choices they make because the, the services that we give around helping companies understand their data, collect data, um, use that data to make informed decisions about their digital products, that's just not going to go away. Now, the how of that might go away, but that's always happening. The how of that is always changing. And so I have no fear about what may happen that, oh, we're going to be out of a job. Yeah. There's always going to be a need for understanding data. Um, and we're, you know, we're not as tied to a specific vendor while, while some of our clients may uh, share a lot of similar traits. That's just a reflection of the current market state that may look completely different two years from now. Um, and to us, it doesn't matter. You know, we're not a, we're not a bolt on to a vendor. We're an independent voice of, of reason that is going to use data. No one's talking about destroying data. You can't do it. It's just the, the how of it, of how we collect it, the what of the data is going to change, but it doesn't change what it is that we help companies do. So from, from like a personal fear perspective, my opinions are not informed at all based on, I got to right. convince people because I'm scared we're going to go out of business or lose a job. Right. Yeah. It's just not. Agreed. Cool. Well, this has been, this has been a lot of fun, um, an enjoyable conversation, enjoyable topic overall. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up for now. Uh, any, any other closing thoughts? Not for me. I think that was a good conversation. Hopefully it gives people lots to, to think about. And, uh, just my closing thought is uh, Jen has done a ton of research in this space and I think likes talking about it. So um, <laughs> if there's something of interest that you want to brainstorm with Jen, find her on Slack, find her on Twitter. I'm sure she'd be up for a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I keep saying it feels like I've been doing a book report for months now on a book that has not been written. Because um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of research because I want to understand it better. Our clients want to understand it better. Um, and I've, I've been pushing back so much against the FUD because I hate it. Um, but I can't really, couldn't really speak um, to, you know, what are our options and how is it actually impacting us? So I've done all this research. I'd be happy to talk to folks about it. I've also really enjoyed, you know, throwing out questions on Twitter and hearing what other people have to say and seeing the very wide amount of uh, interpretations on the laws and how things are affecting analytics or are not. So yeah, it's, it's a good topic for discussion for, for sure. And I, I want to keep learning about it um, and, and share what I've learned. Cool. Well, well, thank you both. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up and catch everybody later. All right. All right. Great. Thanks everyone. Bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.